You know, this quote has been just a part of my life for a long time. It just resonates in my heart. And it's this, when the church isn't supernatural, it's superficial. And you know, when you begin to move in the supernatural, you begin to see things from a different angle. Um, And by the way, I want to do a shout out to Matt Pelt. Thank you, Matt, for being here, leading worship. That's you and your wife. I don't know if you got your 10 kids here or not, but no, you don't have them. How many do you have? Six, only six. Can you imagine? What kind of car do you have for things like that? I mean, all right, anyway, enough of that. And uh, Bethany, good to have your folks here with us again. We love you guys. But as I was talking about the supernatural, so during worship, uh, you may have seen me leave because somebody hit our car. That's okay. It's just a car. They didn't hit me. You'd go, that's all right. Um, Anyway, so they hit the car. So I go out there, and, you know, you're always expecting the worst. And the guy said, look, I I bumped it. I don't see any damage, but I I just wanted to, you know, he's a young guy, you know, in his 20s. And he said, I just wanted to be honest with you and, you know, look at it. And I I looked at it, and I said, hey, it looks fine. And uh, he said, well, do you want my, like, my information or anything? And I said, no, you owe me one thing. I said, what? He says, what? I said, you owe me church next Sunday. He said, I'll be here. So take every situation, turn it into an opportunity, amen? Let me give you a couple of thoughts as we roll into this message. Miracles do not go where they're needed. They go where they're expected. You know, sometimes we cry out to God and we, we beg God and we have tears. We wonder why God hasn't answered a prayer. And sometimes we don't realize it's really a level of expectation, which is the equivalent of faith. See, faith moves you into the realm of expectation and answer. You say, well, don't my tears move God? No, for your faith moves God. And you have to understand that just because you get emotional about something doesn't mean you're exercising faith. See, faith is that, that unusual thing that we really don't know what it is, but we know when we've got it because we got what we asked for. See, is God doing what you're believing him for? If you're not believing God for something, how are you going to know if God answers that something? Here's another thought. Kingdom declarations are kingdom, kingdom declarations are kingdom decrees. When you make a declaration about something God's going to do, what you're doing is you're moving in the kingdom realm. Now, that's different than asking. God, I'd like you to do this for me. When you say, God, you're going to do this, your word says it. Spirit of God indicates it. Let me give you a scripture for that. Job twenty two twenty eight. you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. You see, this is something we don't do a lot in the Christian world. We don't declare things because we're afraid if God doesn't come through, we look like, we're, we look foolish. Better that all of us look foolish and see God do something than no one look foolish and, no, and God do nothing. And I think you have to understand the Christian faith is, you know, the, the, the kind of the secular world, word for it is risk, but in, in the kingdom it's faith. And, and faith is equivalent with risk. It takes, you, you're stepping out into the unknown. You're calling those things which are not as though they are. And I, I venture to say that probably everybody in this room has something they'd like to see God do in their life, in their family, or in their community, or in their job. Let's see God do that, amen? Let's see God do that. 
Here's another thought. When you're surrounded by enemies, you're in the presence of God. You say, what? That doesn't make sense. Let me give you a scripture. Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You see, well, a lot of times we look at opposition and go, well, everybody's against me, everybody's against me. That just intensifies the presence of God in your life. And when you learn how to access the presence of God in the middle of your enemies, and you say, well, I don't really have any enemies. You have a lot of enemies. You have an enemy called doubt. You have an enemy called discouragement, despair. I mean, you have all kind of enemies. You know, we tend to think of it somebody, but no, it, it really, you know, if you can conquer yourself, you can conquer an awful lot. And when you walk in the spirit of God, you have to also walk in the spirit of faith. You have to believe God's going to do something. And, you know, sometimes what that means is you just have to cut off the past. You have to cut off what's haunting you from the past, or you have to change your habits in order to move in the direction of what you're believing God for. It was 1519, and Cortez arrived in the new world with 600 men. He wanted to make sure that he sent a clear message to his men that there was no turning back, so he burned all the ships. They conquered the entire peninsula, took over the entire region there of that Inca empire, that Aztec empire. Because you see, they came to a point where they said, I'm not turning back. What in your life have you cut off and you said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that behind me because I have to move forward. I've got to move forward. You know, God is looking for soldiers. He's, he's looking for men and women who really are, want to be a part of the kingdom. Last year, we, we unveiled a song with Influence Music called 10,000 Armies. You remember that song? It's a great song, and I want to show you a little clip of it because Jonathan Trailer, who sang that song here, is going to be here for our men's retreat and for the live recording, all right? So I want you just to, just to remind you what that's all about. Let's look at the screen for one minute. I just wanted to give you a taste of it, and we purposely put the men's conference and their live recording together over that weekend, because what we wanted to do is we wanted to have all those fired up men come back and then be a part of that live recording, amen? And we're going to end on Friday night, so you can have breakfast on Saturday morning if you want, but the conference is over because we want you rested up, showing up at 6 p.m., Amen. All right. Now, let me just, now, now's the sermon. All that was just kind of prepping. Is that okay? So I want to remind you that you're a citizen of two kingdoms. You feel like you're really more on this earth and this kingdom, but really the Bible says your true citizenship is in heaven. 
And in these two kingdoms, this kingdom of the natural kingdom, the supernatural kingdom, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness, we need to be diligent in both kingdoms. You see, there's something very honoring when you live your life to the fullest degree you can here on earth, not wasting time, focused on what's important, taking everything in, enjoying life, but also the same thing's true in the eternal kingdom. You see, if you work hard in this world, you're gonna get a benefit from working hard. If you work hard in the kingdom, you're gonna lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where earth, where, where rust and moth does not corrode, where moths don't break in, or thieves don't break in and steal, you're gonna see the evidence of that. Now, I wanna take you to the story of a guy by the name of Elisha and Elijah. Now, it's really an interesting beginning, and if you don't know this story, uh, Elisha is one of the prophets that followed Elisha, Elijah around, and he was wanting to be that prophet. He wanted to be like Elisha. In fact, he wanted to be more than that. He wanted a double portion of the Spirit of God on him that was on Elijah. And he's always following him around. He's almost annoying he's following him around so much. And many times Elijah's trying to push him back because he wants to test his heart. But I want to pick up the story in 1 Kings 19. It says, Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was the 12th. Now look at this, what it's saying. He's going along, he sees Elisha, and he's plowing with 12, and he's the 12th. You know what it's like to plow behind 12 oxen? I gotta gotta remind you of what you're looking at. All All day long, you're looking at the back end of an oxen. Does your job feel like that sometimes? Does your life feel like that sometimes? But you know what, we know what Elisha was, he was faithful in what God gave him to do. He plowed, he plowed faithfully day after day after day, but his heart longed for an eternal kingdom. You see, when you're living out your life here on earth, you've gotta gotta be faithful in what God puts your hand to, even if it's facing the backside of an oxen. Because life isn't always easy and pleasant. Have you noticed that? Uh, there's kind of been a saying that's been resonating in my heart for the last six months. You have to learn how to do hard better. Things are not gonna get easier. Can I just give you a wake-up call? Things are not, if I can just get through, it'll be, no, it won't. You'll just have a new thing you gotta get through. And the minute you pull yourself back from it's always gonna get easier, then you realize, no, I have to do hard better in my life. And what I'm going to do is I'm gonna learn how to grow in that moment so that I'm ready for a greater challenge in the future, for a greater act of faith, for a greater move of God. I'm not gonna stay where I am. I'm gonna do hard better. Amen? And this is exactly what Elisha was learning how to do. He was learning how to do hard better. And all of a sudden, the prophet comes along, he sees him, and it's this message that we understand that let your labor be marked with diligence. Are you diligent in what you do? When I wrote that down when I was preparing this message, I thought to myself, I need that one for me. There's greater diligence I can get in my life. Uh, By the way, I just a little personal note here, shout out to me. (laughs) I finished my book yesterday. You know, when you get done with with writing like 60,000 words, your first thought is, I don't even care if it's good, I'm just glad I'm done. 
You know, I just like, I'm glad to have it over with. So it comes out next year. So thank you for all your prayers. And uh, we'll go into a couple of edits now, final edits, but uh, God's working in, in a pretty cool way. Let me take you to Colossians chapter three. Whatever you do, you know, when people, when I ask people what they do and they'll say, well, I'm just, I always correct them. And they'll fill in their profession. I just, no, 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 whatever you do, do unto the glory of God. What you do is important. It's, it's significant. Do not underestimate where God has put you. You see, it says, do heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Do you realize whatever you do, you're not serving man. You're not serving that paycheck. You're serving God. And God sees your faithfulness in everything you do. Whether you're working at a factory, whether you're working in an office, whether you're retired, whether you're a a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter. Do it unto the glory of God. Do it with all of your heart because guess what? You will receive a reward uh, of of inheritance for your share in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, do you realize God is going to pay you a dividend in rewards for your faithfulness here on earth? You say, and if you just stay with it, you know, and you say, well, I, I just don't like my job. That's okay. You don't have to like it, but you have to be diligent. You have to be faithful. You have to be honest. You have to be straightforward with it. God will give you a promotion. God will advance you wherever you are in life. He'll take you to the next level if you're faithful. Because the one thing that God loves is faithfulness in our, in our life. Just be faithful. You see, the way that you enter the kingdom is the way that you thrive in the kingdom. The way that you enter the kingdom, how do you enter the kingdom? Let me just remind you, Matthew chapter seven, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many that go by it because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few that find it. You know what happens sometimes in the Christian life? We enter that narrow gate. We're willing to give everything to God and commit all we have to God, and we want God more than anything else. If you can go back, remember the day you were saved, all you really knew was your sins were forgiven, but that was enough. And you said, I'm gonna follow God even if my friends don't like me. I'm gonna follow God regardless of what it costs me. But then all of a sudden we get down the road in the Christian faith and we start living our life like it's the broad road that got me into the kingdom. So now I do what I wanna do in life and I forget the way I got into the kingdom was through the narrow gate. See, the gate is narrow, but also the passageway to the throne is narrow. You can't be distracted looking in every direction and, and reap an eternal reward beyond measure. You have to realize that being a Christian is not easy. It's impossible without the Spirit of God, amen? But if you say, look, I don't know how to get through this, I'm just gonna, today I'm gonna commit myself to God. Why do you think Jesus said take up your cross daily? You know why? Because he knew you couldn't make it two days without taking up the cross daily. If you don't die to self, live unto God on a daily basis, you're gonna fail. You're going to either get weak and then wonder, how did I get in this mess? Or you're not going to succeed the way you want. So you get in the morning and go, God, I'm going to live for you today. And if I mess up, I'm getting back up. Can I get an amen on that one? If I mess up, I'm getting back up. Because you probably will mess up somewhere along the line. Amen? I always thought a great tagline for church would be, sinners welcome here, all others stay away. If you haven't realized that, that we come to God hungry and thirsty for God. Look at, look at what it says here in, uh, uh, in 1 Kings 19. The idea is not only do we have to be diligent, we have to be fearless. Have to be fearless. I was looking back and it was just uh, 
a little over uh, a year ago, almost two years ago, that we started a campaign for uh, raising the money for the building next door. And I remember when we got that, I, that idea to, to buy that building, and, and we needed, uh, initially we needed 600000 We just need 10% down because we had so much equity in the church. And then they changed the tune about three weeks into it. Do you remember this? And I said, hey, um, big news, um, I need $1.2 million now, and I need it in the next four weeks. And you all responded, and, and we got the $1.2 million, we bought that building, and we enjoy it now, and, and thank you for every one of you who had a part of that. But, but I want to tell you what, what goes through your heart when you see a building like that and you say, I believe God wants us to buy it. Fear. It does. The fear is, can I afford it after we get it? The fear is, can we get it? The fear is, I believe, when I say God told us to get that building, and I tell you that, if we don't get that building, what what does that say about me? Well, he must not have heard from God. But you see, faith has to go beyond your personal recognition and your self-preservation. And I only use that as an example of something in your life because I say, okay, we're gonna get this building, and then when, and I remember very well sitting at uh, lunch with a guy, and I said, hey, uh, bad news is uh, we, need, we need to double that, that thing. He says, well, he said, uh, you need to just go back and ask people to double up. And I said, will you double up? And he said, uh, yeah. And I, and I just thought, how is it that easy? You know, because God was in that thing. If you want to know if God's in something, see the favor in the hand of God along the way. See what he's doing. And then just, if you feel like the move of God is in that situation, then intensify your faith, intensify your focus on what's going on there. If it looks like it's a dead end and there doesn't seem to be any activity there, you have to step back and say, God, are you still in this? Or is it just me? Because if you get you out of it and get God in it, things are going to happen. So let's go to 1 Kings 19. Elijah passed by him, and he threw his mantle on him. Now, that may not mean much to us, but the mantle of the prophet was significant. It represented the power of God on that man. When he threw it on him, he was saying to him, I see you. You're plowing oxen, but I see you. And notice what it says. He left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah. You see, when you feel like God's putting his hand on you, Sometimes what you have to do is you have to leave what you're doing and you have to run after God. You say, well, do I, do I need to quit my job? I, I don't know. Maybe. Do I need to get a new job? I don't know. That's really not the point. The point is, are you willing to put everything behind you to follow God? Look what he says. Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. It's not like one of those conditional things that Jesus got, remember that? And he said to him, go back, for what have I done to you? I mean, it's like the rudest comment in the world. The prophet says to him, hey, I just want to, I want to go kiss my mom and dad goodbye. He said, did I offend you? Why do you have to go do that? And I look at this thing and I go, God, this guy was the real deal. This guy was Elijah, the prophet. He was pretty amazing. Thank you, Pastor Drew. When I was uh, pastoring Louisiana, there was a, a guy named Ansel Carruth, and Ansel was the greatest soul winner I ever met. And I remember I was, I'd only been saved three years. I'm senior pastor of this church. Ansel shows up at my house on Saturday morning about six o'clock. And he says, uh, come on, preacher, we're going out witnessing. I'm thinking, what kind of job do I have here? This guy's showing up at six o'clock in my house. He's got cases of marked New Testaments in the back of his trunk. 
And he was just so, he was so passionate for God, but he reminded me of Elijah the prophet. One time he said to me, he said, we've got to go witness to Martin Young. I said, who's Martin Young? He said, I've been witness to him for 50 years, but I want you to tell him about Jesus. And I'm thinking, what am I going to say to a guy after 50 years? He said, now here's how it's going to work. We're going to go there. They're going to put us on the porch, and the wife's going to come out and start talking and distract us. We've got to act while she's, while she's you know, not distracted with us. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, here's what's, she's going to come out, ask us for lemonade. She's going to go in there. In that moment, you're going to tell them about Jesus. This is the plan. He said, but I'll pray first. And I, I will never forget this. I see it to this day. It forever lives in my heart of the dedication, the commitment of prayer and perseverance. He dropped on all four knees and he began to pray. I literally saw the veins of his neck sticking out. Praying, oh God, save Martin. Oh God, save Martin. God, save Martin. And I'm, secretly I'm going, God, save me. What do I do? How do I follow Elijah the prophet here on the porch? And he said, amen. He said, now preacher, tell him how to get saved. I'm like the deer in the headlight guy, you know, and I, I grab his hands and I say, Martin, I want you to pray after me. Dear Lord, he goes, dear Lord, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you rose from the dead. At that, Martin let out with a loud shout. He says, keep praying, preacher. I'm feeling something. Martin got saved that day. He was 94 years old. He only lived one more year. If you've ever been to LSU campus, he was a developer that developed all of LSU campus there in Baton Rouge. God saved a guy and a year later took him to glory, but that's not the story. I'm not the story. Ansel is the story. Perseverance and faith. You say, well, I've witnessed to them and they quit listening. Keep witnessing, keep praying, keep loving. God has called you to be faithful, and guess what? Yeah, you're, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, you have to be fearless in the kingdom of God. He says, now look what he says. So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became a servant. Now, now pick up this scene. He says, I want to kiss my mom and dad. He said, what have I done to you? Have I offended you? And what does he do? He goes and he kills the oxen. He feeds the people with it. He burns them with the very uh, yokes that he was plowing with. You see, he was, he was putting everything behind him. I'm putting ev my livelihood, I'm putting it behind me. Everything that I built my life on and being faithful on, I'm putting it behind me. And he arose and it says he followed Elijah and became, guess what, a servant. Not a prophet, a servant. You see, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, be, if you're gonna really be a follower of Christ, you have to become servant of all. Who was servant of all? That was Jesus. Don't despise the day of small beginnings, the Bible tells us in Zechariah. Whatever's happening in your life, you go, well, this is just not much going on here. Don't despise it. Enjoy it and love it because you might be unfortunate and it might get bigger and more complicated. Enjoy it when it's little, amen? You know, God loves small things. He loves to start things small. Have you ever noticed that? He had a son born in an insignificant town. He had 12 disciples, not 5,000. Everything he did was about taking something small. This is how the kingdom works. It works from small to big, from inside and out, and from the ground up. This is how the kingdom works in every life. In whatever job you're doing, it's how it works. God multiplies faithfulness in your life. He sees faithfulness, God says, I'm gonna multiply that. 
I'm gonna give you more. I'm gonna multiply it. You're gonna, you're gonna get more out of that act than you ever thought you would get out of it. And as you're faithful in the kingdom of God, as you're faithful in your job, as you're faithful in what you do, guess what God's gonna do? God is going to give you a promotion in both kingdoms. I had a great story a guy told me. He said, uh, he said, you know, when I first started coming to this church, I'd been away for a while, and, and I hadn't been tithing, and I just, I mean, you challenged me, and we got to tithing, and, and I thought, where's that money going to come from, and, you know, to make up that difference, and he said, then that next week, my wife got a raise, a 10% raise, and it more than made up for everything we were giving. Well, it's a coincidence. Is that what you say? You see, everything works in God's kingdom supernaturally. What you sow, you reap. It just works that way. You say, well, I don't understand that. You don't have to understand it, but this is how it works. And God sees faithfulness, and he multiplies that faithfulness in your life. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, Elisha said to Elisha, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now look at the boldness in this guy. He goes, I've watched you, Elijah, and, and what you've done is really good, but I want to do twice. I want to do twice. What if you started saying that in your life? I want to do twice the person you admire the most, the person that's walking with God. I want to do, I want to do 2X that one. What do you think would happen if you'd say, I want to do 2X that one? I remember I said to our son Josh one day, I said, I'm just praying for a double portion of God's spirit on you so you do twice as much as I do. And he told me later, he said, I hated it when you said that to me. Because I always felt like, how do I measure up? How do I get there? What do I do? You know, and then we had a discussion later. He says, you know, I just love the fact that you said that. <laughs> because, you know, when you see something in somebody and you say something to them, they start living out the destiny that you projected into their mind and their heart. You see, we need permission to advance. I know it sounds weird, but when someone says you can do it, have you ever noticed how it empowers you? I don't see any reason why you don't have all the skills you need to do that. And you go like, you're right. I can do that. That's what God does to you every single day of your life. He says, I believe in you. You can do that. Nothing will stop you. Greater is he that is in you and that is he is in the world. Don't worry, I've overcome the world, and I am in you and you are in me. God is with you all the days of your life. Now let's keep going to the story. Now we go to 2 Kings. I want to give you the backside of the story. How does this double portion come? And here's what Elisha says, 2 Kings 2. You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it shall be for you, but if not, it shall not be so. Now, if you heard that, you'd probably think, what is he talking about? God had given Elijah a vision of how he was going to move from earth to heaven. He never died, by the way. He was raptured out of the earth. And look what it says here. Then it happened, as they continued on and talked, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, separated the two of them, and Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes, and he tore them. This was a, a symbol of repentance. This was coming humbly before God in that day. He took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. He went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he struck the water, and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Do you realize when he picked up that mantle, it was more than symbolic. 
It was an act of faith. When you pick up something and you say, it's in my hand, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see God do twice in my life what I've seen in the past. He took the mantle that had fallen from him. He struck the water and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. You see, what God had put in Elisha's heart came to fulfillment. God knew what was in his heart. I think sometimes we need to focus on abundance and not lack. Sometimes when you're praying, you're always focused on what you don't have. What do you have? What's in your hand? Do you realize you're a royal diadem in the hand of God? That you're a son and a daughter of the living God? You're created in his image. Have you ever stopped to think about how blessed God has given you? And if you say, I'm just gonna focus on what I have. And if I multiply what I have, God is going to give me what I don't have. And then ask for something beyond average. You know, you're saying, I, I always kind of joke about dinner time because dinner time is kind of that, you know, that obligatory prayer to kind of get us to eat. And then we get annoyed when someone prays a long time for the food. Have you ever noticed this? I had a roommate in college, you know, and he hated long prayers, but, and I would purposely always pray long prayers over our food. And one time we were eating pizza and I looked up and half the pizza was gone. He go, I go, what happened? He said, I said amen a long time ago. And then live your life with expectation. Expect God to do something. Expect a miracle. It doesn't have to be a great big miracle. Any miracle's a miracle, amen? Right? It's a little miracle. I like the little miracles. I love them. I like the big miracle. I like them all. I just like miracles, amen? I love the story of Thomas. He was all alone. His boat was in a storm and rose and it capsized. He swam to shore and he found himself alone on a desert island. After several weeks, he became so miserable and distraught, he finally prayed, but no one came. Just when he thought that he couldn't get any worse, his thatched roof hut caught on fire. And Thomas sat there weeping as his shelter went up in flames. It was like pouring salt into his wounds. He said, God, I give up. I ask you for help and now this happens. He was so down and so discouraged. Then about an hour later, a Coast Guard rescue boat arrived. Thomas couldn't believe his eyes. He was thrilled. He said, how in the world did you find me? He said, we saw the smoke from your signal fire and we came to get you. I wanna tell you, you've gotta burn your ships. You gotta burn the yoke of oxen. You gotta burn your hut if you're going to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I don't think you're ready to burn anything yet. Maybe three of you are. Let me ask you again. Are you ready to put the past behind you so that you can build a greater future for the future? If you're willing to do that, say amen. amen. I want you to stand with me. Now, we know that the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Do you realize when you praise God, not only are you singing that song, but in your heart, you can talk to yourself at the same time. Have you noticed that? You can be singing and you can be saying things like, God, I, I hope this works, or God, I don't know where to go with this, or what do I do, God? Can you take and let that voice within you be a voice of affirmation of believing God? If you're gonna burn the hut, if you're gonna burn the ship, what you have to do is you have to put everything else on the fire of God and say, God, burn it down and resurrect what you wanna do in me. Whatever that is, God, I'm just willing. You say, well, I'm afraid to pray that prayer. God, what if, you, if whatever you wanna do, I'm willing. Do you think God is hindered from doing whatever he wants because you don't pray that prayer? 
See, God is gonna get you on the right journey. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Let your steps be ordered and give him permission to take you where he wants to take you. All right, I want you to pray and then we're gonna sing. Heavenly Father, today, I ask that every person in this room take whatever's holding them back from moving forward and burn it on the altar of God. God, I ask that we burn our huts, we burn our ships, we, we put the past behind us that we might live in the future and in the present, God. We ask your spirit come in mighty power upon us, God. We ask you, God, to speak to every heart in this place, God, to give us a fresh uh, anointing of your spirit, God, to speak powerful words and words of affirmation and words of confirmation that we can do all things through Christ who loves us. And if you don't know Jesus, if today this is your first time to hear this gospel message, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for your sins and he was buried and resurrected for your life. And when you put your faith in him, he loves you, he receives you unto his own. You can pray a prayer like this right where you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I ask you to save me, Lord Jesus, right now. Right in this place, right now, Lord Jesus, save me. If that was your prayer and you meant it with your heart, then God did exactly what God said he'd do. If that was your prayer, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Amen. 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 Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Now you want to follow God with all your heart. Amen.